Thank you very much. Please be seated. I was sitting there during the announcements and, or during church news and I remembered when I was a kid in the Italian church and the visiting speakers used to come in from overseas, from Italy of course, and we would take them to the airport and say goodbye and everybody cried. And so you could tell where the Italians were because everybody was crying. If you saw a group of people crying in a corner, you know, one time we, would, we sang an Italian song, if we don't see you down here on earth again, we will see you when we get to heaven. And it was so emotional. But I do feel a little emotional because I feel like I've met more of my family this week. And I'm not just saying that. And uh, I believe there's only one church. It's God's church. And there are many congregations. And so thank you for being so friendly. Thank you. You've been very kind. Uh, Pastor Tark, your beautiful wife and family, thank you for making me feel so welcome. And uh, with this season of my life, going to the body to be an encouragement, it's been a great experience for me to be with you. And I do believe it's a new era. And while we were in worship, I saw a picture in my mind of a lighthouse. And I felt God say that this is going to be a lighthouse so ships won't crash into the rocks. It's going to be a lighthouse of truth, a lighthouse of truth. And what's going to happen is other boats. You see, you know, when Jesus told Peter to launch into the deep for a big catch, he stepped out in faith. After Jesus finished speaking, Peter launched into the deep. There is a difference between faith and presumption. And Pastor Tart, you're not a man that steps out in presumption. You step out in faith because you wait for revelation for after Jesus finishes speaking, you launch into the deep. When you have that kind of calling and ministry, there's other boats nearby that need to come and bring their boats up against yours. And when they do, there'll be enough fish for every boat. And there are, if I can be, I know this is recorded, I've got to be really wise, but there are many people that are threatened by larger churches. There are people in my city that are threatened by our church because of what's happened, the growth. And, but this is going to be different, and I know it's happening with us as well right now, is where there's going to be a trust, yeah. where people are going to come and realize you're not going to steal their people, you're not going to want their people, you just want to grow them and let them reach their potential in God. So get ready for different relationships, new relationships. I could just keep prophesying all night, but I've got to uh, just also prophetically preach, I hope, tonight. But it's going to be a lighthouse because of its revival of truth. Right now, God is doing something around the world where he wants his church back. Now, God wants to refresh us. He wants to re restore us. He wants to put his favor upon us. And before I go any further, I want to say God only shakes what he wants to heal. He never shakes to hurt. When Jesus went into the temple to clean out the temple, as I shared with the leaders during the conference, Jesus was getting rid of polluted motives, perverted vision, personal agendas, so the children could come in to the temple and be part of what was happening in the temple, and healings took place. We owe the next generation. We owe the young people that are coming after us a healthy church built on biblical truth so we can see miracles like we've never seen before and see breakthrough. But tonight in this place, 
during the worship, when there's great worship, I want the choir to come back just before I finish tonight and I want us to sing Breathe On Us. If we get time, I'd like to invite those of you that need refreshing, you need restoring, you need repositioning tonight. There are some of you tonight, God wants to culminate what he's already begun in you this morning. There were some of you here this morning, oh, I need a fresh touch from God. I tell you what God is doing to all of us right now. He's taking us from being more than churchians and he's turning us into true Bible-believing Christians. I would rather have churchians than nobody at all. I mean, I want our, our churches to be filled with whoever comes because while the presence of God is there, anything can happen. But I've been in the church all my life. I went to church nine months before I was born. So, you know, I mean, I've always been in the church. And God spoke to me a few months ago. He said, I'm about to come with revival fire. I'm going to shake all that can be shaken so that God will move again in his church. God wants to heal a broken church as well as a broken nation. And God began to drop into my heart these thoughts. You won't be able to write them down. I'm going to run through them very fast, but it's on tape. I want to go from church goer to Christ follower. I want to go from inward looking to outward looking. That's the difference between a churchian and a Christian. A churchian is after personal outcomes, but a Christian is after purpose outcomes. A churchian is easily offended. A Christian is easily extended. A churchian will transition, but a Christian will transform. And I want God to give me internal life. A little beautiful uh, black African girl in America went to Sunday school and she said, Mama, I learned today a great verse in the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have internal life. <laughs> and the mother tried to re repair what she said, tried to correct her. And I don't think she was far wrong. He came to give us internal life. A lot of the times we transition from marriage to marriage, from church to church, from relationship to relationship, to change our external world. And when we change our external world, we'll feel good for a while. Yeah. We've had people join our church and go, Pastor Danny, this is the best yeah. church ever. Incredible. And two years down the track, they hate us. And I go, how did I go? Because people only keep their equilibrium for a short time when they go for external change. But we need internal transformation. And when we get changed internally, we get our equilibrium back. And then when there's another trigger point in our lives, we lift the hood on what's going on and we allow the Word of God to grow us and change us and we just keep changing internally, transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the difference. Come on, give God praise for that. A church, you're the best people to preach to, honestly. Can I come back next week? I love it. You're so good to preach to, honestly. To preach with, not just to preach to. You see, a churchian reacts under pressure. A Christian responds under pressure. A churchian leaves when disappointed. A Christian cleaves to Christian commitment. You see, a churchian will live by feelings. A Christian will walk by faith. A churchian can be very religious with their mouth, but a Christian is very real with their manner. You see, a churchian seeks to be successful, but a Christian seeks to be fruitful. It's not well done, good and famous servant. It's well done, good and faithful. A churchian sees the needs of others as obstacles, 
but a Christian sees the needs of others as opportunity. A churchian is committed to their friends at church, but a Christian is committed to biblical unity. A churchian is committed to church attendance, which is good, but a Christian is committed to Christ resemblance. And I want to give Christ, I want to have Christ resemblance in my life. I want to be a churchian, but more than a churchian, I want to be a Christian that's in church, building the kingdom, not bashing the kingdom. So 10 years ago, something powerful happened in my life where, as I've shared at the conference, my, my life pattern is building according to pattern. God spoke to my heart out of Hebrews chapter 8, verse 5, at a Catch the Fire conference in Adelaide where I fell on my knees before God and I felt this burning fire in my heart. I went home that night and at 2 o'clock in the morning, I woke up, my wife was in Brisbane, Australia at a Bill Wilson conference learning how to run children's department because we started a church and I said to her, you're the children's pastor. And we didn't know anything. We didn't know what we were doing. First Sunday, 58 kids. A lady left because we didn't have enough good facilities. I said, give us a chance. It's our first Sunday. But my wife uh, didn't know what to do. But I said, I don't have anybody else. You're the children's pastor. So she's up in Brisbane at a Bill Wilson conference. I'm home on my own. And I sat up in bed. I said, God, it's okay for you to tell me to build the, uh, the pattern. I don't know what the pattern is. What's the pattern? And he took me to Hebrews chapter 8 in my devotional time. And then verse 5, where God said to Moses, make sure you build everything according to the pattern. Then when I read chapter 9, I saw in chapter 9 this picture of the Ark of the Covenant with uh, the Ten Commandments, Aaron's rod that budded, and uh, the manna that fell from heaven. And God said, for the rest of your life, you need to believe for supernatural supply. You need to believe for supernatural selection, for God to bring you the leaders that are fruitful. Don't bless intent identify fruit. And he said, I want you to bless fruit and I'm gonna bring supernatural selection. And then he said, I'm gonna give you the supernatural standards or values of heaven like the 10 commandments that are not rules, but they are passions and boundaries we live within. And for the last 20 years, I've seen God move in those boundaries and I get to Hebrews 13. And I get to Hebrews 13 many years later when I'm reading again through the Bible And I get to Hebrews 13, just at the end of Hebrews 12, I want to read to you tonight the shakings that God showed me were going to come on the earth. This is before the financial crisis, before anything like that. God spoke to my heart and he said, there's seven shakings that are going to come on the earth. I'm not going to preach long on them, but if you want to write these down, you can write them down and you can judge what I'm saying to see if it witnesses with your own heart. But the good news is in verse 12, verse 28, sorry, chapter 12, verse 28. Since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable. See, God wants to shake everything that can be shaken to give us the unshakable. We are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable. Let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe for our God is a devouring fire. And I remember reading this and I'm saying, God, can you tell me what you're shaking? Please show me what you're shaking in this season. And I just felt the urge to keep reading. Obviously, when these scriptures were written, there were no chapter distinctions. You just keep reading on. And I start reading in chapter 13. And number one, God is shaking our friendships. Number one, God is shaking friendships. Listen to this. Keep on loving one another. That means we can stop loving one another. 
Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. We shouldn't attend church. We should be in connection with each other at church. Brothers and sisters. It says in one version of the Bible, love one another with true Christian love. See, Christian love is different than secular love. Because secular love only stays together when we agree. Secular love is only there when we're all going in the same direction and feel the same way. But let me tell you, too many Christians shift when God wants them to sift. God wants to sift us, then he can shift us into his destiny and purpose so he can lift us. And we've seen over the years, people leave the church, their friends leave the church because the relationship is more important than biblical truth. But I've also seen the other side of Christians falling out with one another and they don't even speak to one another anymore. They go to different churches and yet they don't talk to each other. And let me tell you, that is not authentic Christianity. You can leave my church and go to another church and if I see you in the street, you're still my brother. You're still my sister. We are one family. We are Christians. And we need to love one another with true Christian love. See, a Christian friendship will comfort you. A Christian friendship will connect you to other believers and to God. They won't become cynical with you and criticize everything with you. A true Christian friend will lift you and they will lift you up and say, come on, I know you're feeling bad about that, but come on, let's go and talk to those people together. If you haven't got the courage to go on your own, come on, let's get this healed so we can grow. You see, a Christian friendship won't just comfort, it will confront in love, but it will continue and stay consistent with you. I've known those friendships. I've known people that have only been attached to my image. I got a a phone call from a pastor friend of mine one day and he said, Danny, Isaiah chapter four, seven women will come to one man and say, please marry us to take away our shame. You don't have to give us anything. You don't have to be committed to us. Just give us your name to take away our shame. And you know, whatever success is, because I think success is obedience. Success is just obedience. And you know, when our church was small, nobody wanted to know me. As our church got bigger, there were some that just wanted to be attached to my name. But I thank God that when I go through tragedy in my life and my son goes through a horrible season in his life, there was a handful of pastors around Australia and around the world that got on aeroplanes and came and sat with me and cried with me and hugged me because they were more than just being attached to my image, but they were true Christian friends. (laughs) Moving very quickly, the second shaking The second shaking is the focus of the church. God is not just shaking our friendships, he's shaking the focus of the church. It says, remember those in prison as if you were there yourself. Remember also those that are being mistreated as if you felt their pain in your own bodies. This is talking about Christians who are persecuted for their faith, but then it also talks about hospitality. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers, for some of you have done this and have entertained angels without realizing it. And God said to me, I'm changing the focus of the church. I'm shaking the church from being inward looking to outward looking. Something is coming to your outward that's gonna come with clarity over the next three months and you're going to know, you're going to know as you turn on the lamp, God is going to show you the focus that God has for church unlimited. And it's not going to be an inward look. It's going to be an outward look because God is shaking the focus of the church. Then absolutely we are. 
The third shaking is marriage and fidelity in marriage. God is shaking friendships. He's shaking the focus of the church. He's shaking the spirit of loyalty. Let me tell you, both spiritually in our marriages in committed to the kingdom of God and in our natural marriages, there's a shaking going on. I want to tell you in the Bible Belt of America, Christians are getting divorced as easy as non-Christians even more. And let me tell you, you cannot tell a lot of difference between the church and the world. But God is not, the world is not looking for something that looks like them. The world is looking for something different. And I believe a spirit of fidelity, teenagers that are going to rise up and get married in the next 10 years are going to be staying married. They're going to stay. They're not going to want to repeat generational problems that they've seen. We're going to see a turnaround and we're going to see fidelity again. We're going to see faithfulness in marriage. That's also going to be represented in the church because today people aren't faithful to brands. They're not faithful to relationships. They're not faithful. They just go where it feels good and that's going to affect the church. But I want to tell you in the next 10 years, we're going to see people getting planted in the house of the Lord no matter what happens. They're not going to run. Listen, I am not against Hillsong. You need to understand that. They are my friends and I love them. But everywhere they go and plant a church, it's amazing how many other churches get emptied to go along and start with those churches because this is going to give me a better opportunity as a musician this is going to give me a bit that's not Hillsong's fault please understand that but let me tell you in the future we're not going to have pastors uh, tearing their hair out I mean I tried to do it years ago and it's uh, hair today and gone tomorrow but anyway um, my wife says grow a beard and pull your head in but it hasn't worked but um, and I don't please understand what I just said I'm not having a go they are my friends I preach there you need to understand that it's uh, you know God puts it on their heart to start places and to see people saved but I get amazed at the number of Christians that just uproot by the dozens and just go to a better opportunity is it okay to be this open and I just want to say the future we need people planted in the house of the Lord we need to be listen fellow brothers fellow workers and fellow soldiers Paul uh, uh, recommends Epaphroditus to the Philippians. It's not a disease. That's a guy's name. Epaphroditus. And says he's a fellow brother. So we've got to do relationship together. A fellow worker. We've got to do responsibility together. You see, every church has a mandate from God. Don't ever join a church and ask, what will this church do for me? You join a church and say, what is the mandate on this house? And Lord, how can the gifts that you've put on my life help add and bless to that mandate so I can be part of the answer to grow the purpose you have for this place? And we'll be fellow soldiers together. Yeah. Fellow soldiers. I wish I could spend three days talking to you about unity because let me tell you, the devil is attacking the church all over the world and there's no loyalty to the principles of God's word and we need to get united like never before because what God has in front of us is very, very powerful. But we've got to be fellow brother, fellow worker, fellow soldier together. And so there's been a shaking of fidelity. The next shaking is finances. This was over 10 years ago. God said to me, the world's going to be shaken in this area. But also Christians, listen to this. And predominantly, if I can say this, Christian leaders. I am shocked at the amount of Christian leaders that are so driven by financial drivenness that they don't trust God with their lives. When I started in the ministry, I had nothing. 
And I stepped out in faith and trusted God. And when I handed my church over, I had no idea where the finance was going to come from. And I said, Lord, I started with nothing. I'm going to do this again now. And God has come through. Our church support me and send me to the body of Christ for free so that I can be a blessing to the body. It's been an amazing journey. But let me tell you, we've got to trust God, friends, with our financial lives. We've got to trust God that He will provide. Don't love money, be satisfied with what you have for God said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. So I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? So God is shaking friendships. He's shaking the focus. He's shaking fidelity. He's shaking our finances. And number five, it says, remember your leaders who taught you the word of God. Think of all the good that has come from their lives and follow the example of their faith. God is shaking our fellowship. God said to me, Danny, who can say no to you? You see, so many charismatics <laughs> go flying around, go, I feel in my spirit. God's led me by the spirit. I feel led. Here's a pencil. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> they want to feel led. But Hebrews 13 says this, come under the leadership of those that you trust will give an account for your soul. See, a lot of spiritual abuse happens when pastors stand before people and say, you've got to follow me. I'm your pastor. I've never done that. Let me tell you, I say to our church, unless you're convinced that I'm going to give an account for your soul and that God will judge me. Do you know pastors are the only people and Christian leaders are the only people that are going to be judged by God by how we lead people. God doesn't go to the butcher and go, I'm going to judge you for the way you cut me. He doesn't come to the mechanic and say the same. Because we have a privilege to stand on this platform week after week. It's an honour and a privilege and God is going to hold us accountable by, by how we lead you. And I say to our church, church, unless you're convinced that I have your best interest at heart, I will make mistakes, but you can come and talk to me about that. But I will lead you because I love you. I love the sheep. I lay my life down for the sheep. If you're led by shepherds like that, they're not going to abuse you because they're scared of God. But we've got people running off and doing their own thing and led by the Spirit. It says, listen to this. It says, remember your leaders who taught you the Word of God. Think of all the good that has come out of their lives and follow them as, as they follow Christ. For Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. How many times do we quote that Scripture purely outside of its context? And He is the same yesterday, and for, today, and forever. But let me tell you, His pattern of covering is still the same yesterday, today, and forever. I need people in my life that can say no to me. I have pastors all over the world that can stop me from making decisions if they see that I'm hurting my family or my church. I am one decision away, as I said this morning, from becoming a total idiot. One decision. And I can't just be running around doing my own thing. I need to give fellowship. 
And God is shaking the church so the right patterns of accountability come back to the church. We need pastors that are accountable. We need congregations that are accountable. And God spoke to me. He said, Danny, if you let me shake this area of your life, I'm gonna bring people into your life. And I've been so touched to be with Winky and his family just to know that all those years ago, you spoke into my life. And I see you still as a spiritual father and mother and family because I believe in this principle. People do not have a use by date. They carry the anointing and the Spirit of God and I want to be under the covering. I want to receive from God and I've made myself accountable. Please have people you do life with. Have people that pull you up, that you look up to and have people that you pull up. And let me tell you, you'll have a balanced life if you have those kind of relationships. Remember your leaders. And then it says this, Um, uh, the next shaking finances fellowship is our faith it says obey your spiritual leaders verse 13 so let us go out to him outside the camp and bear the disgrace he bore for this world is not our permanent home we are looking forward to a home yet to come and God said to me too many modern day Christians are living their Christianity just on what happens down here You know, Solomon tried everything under the sun and found that no matter what he tried, it came to nothing. The problem is he never tried anything above the sun. And the trouble with some of us as Christians is our Christianity is all about what happens to us down here. And as good as God wants to bless us down here, we must. I used to hear sermons about heaven. Oh man, we used to, oh, those movies that came out in the 70s. What were they called? Those ones that scared the living daylights out of us? Um, Left Behind, A Thief in the Night, you know. But I remember growing up crying in church, saying, I don't want to be left behind. I want to be, today, we don't even talk about heaven. Today, we don't talk about eternity. And I want to tell you, in the next 10 years, we're going to hear messages about heaven. We're going to hear messages about the resurrection. We're going to hear messages about our eternal life. See, when you get older, you want those messages. No, no, no. No, it's not true. God is shaking our faith so that we have an eternal perspective because we see things in the light of eternity. By his stripes we are healed. I know we can claim that for healing, but let me tell you, Jesus didn't die for just earthly healing. When he died on that cross, he died that one day we will have a healthy body. In eternity, there will be no cancer. There'll be no pain. There'll be no hurt. And let me tell you, it's an eternal gift. It's eternal life. It's eternal healing. And sometimes Christians, good Christians die. Good Christians go to heaven too early. And I don't understand why that happens. But let me tell you, we're going to see them again. And when we see them again, they will not have cancer. They will not have disease, but will be healed by his stripes. We are healed eternally. And then, moving very quickly, then I believe the next shaking is our serving Jesus Christ, our function. He's shaking our friendship, our focus, our family, our finances, our fellowship, our faith, and our function. It says this in verse, let me find it, 20. Now may the God of peace who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep and ratified an eternal covenant with his blood, may he equip you with all you need for doing his will. 
Please don't take this as a strong statement because it's not. It comes from a loving heart. You see, the reason why God wants every Christian to serve is because he wants every one of you to experience his divine interruption in your life. He wants you to experience miracles. He wants you to see him at work. He wants you to grow. Every time I've led someone to Jesus Christ, you know, yesterday morning, we put names on here. I didn't put my names on here. I just had them in my heart because I thought these are the people you're praying for. But I said, God, I have uh, Scott McBain, radio announcer in Adelaide, a, young, a man who was sexually abused by an Anglican priest at the age of 11, broken, broken life. He's a man who I was sharing with the pastors, said to me, Danny, I don't know if I believe in God, but if you can't convert me, please don't desert me. A, a man who's not a Christian and he's hurting and last night while I'm at the hotel, he rings me. And he goes, can I meet you Monday as soon as you get home? You see, I could say, well, no, I've, I, I've been on assignment. I've been in New Zealand and I've been doing the Lord's work. I need to come homeeth and resteth. I need to come home and have time to myself. I said, Scott, as soon as I get off the plane tomorrow, uh, on Monday, I'll come straight to your house. I put his name down, not literally, but in my heart when you're putting the names down. You see, because we all have a function to fulfill and it's not just on a platform, it's off the platform. We're called to serve. We're called to serve the living Christ. And let me tell you, if you don't serve, you miss out because I'm gonna have a miracle with Scott and then next time, if you do invite me back sometime, I'll come back and I'll tell the story and I'll have more stories to tell of what God has done in people's lives. We all need stories. We all need his story in our lives and God, and so while I was at the hotel this afternoon, I went and read this scripture again. And he said, if we build godly friendships, the church will be filled with unity. If the church has a clear focus, we will have clarity. If we build a spirit of family, we will have loyalty. If we do our finances well, we'll have integrity. If we give fellowship, we will have accountability. If we live by faith, we'll have eternity. And if we function, we'll have responsibility. And as I wrote that this afternoon, I realized God 10 years ago said, I'm shaking all that can be shaken so that only that which is built on the right foundation will remain. How do we build this kind of faith? I've got a few more minutes. I'm gonna rush through this, but I'm gonna say it so it's on the tape and then you can go back and, and I'm not just trying to get a lot of information out, I just wanna prophesy this stuff. I am in Scotland. I've been away for a month. I have to, four o'clock in the morning, leave to go to London and then to fly to Sweden to speak at a pastor's conference with several thousand pastors and I'd never met them before. I was a bit nervous. I didn't know what to expect. I was gonna preach through an interpreter. I'm going down the stairs and would you believe the lift broke and it wasn't a very big lift. I think it only handled one suitcase at a time in Scotland in an old pub and I'm going down four flights of stairs and I'm halfway down and my suitcase breaks and everything falls out. I'm running late. The person's running the hotel isn't there. They're still asleep. And I'm trying to get, it's amazing you can't get the stuff back in. Got in there before I left home. I haven't bought anything and yet somehow I didn't pack it right and there's stuff everywhere. And I kneeled down by my suitcase and I said these words. I want to go home. 
I want to go home. I'd been on the road for three weeks or more and I'm tired and been preaching a lot. And the Holy Spirit said, you know how many Christians on their journey of faith, as their Christianity unfolds before them, they feel like the stuffing's fallen out of their life. And they feel like a broken suitcase. And they go, I just want to go home. I want to go home. I eventually got my suitcase fixed with tape. And I got, to, I got to Sweden. That night, that afternoon, the pastor said to me, Danny, we have no hope for Europe. There's no new generation. There's, we haven't raised a new generation of leaders. That night, I got up to preach through an interpreter there was probably a couple of thousand pastors in the room and I said, I want everybody under 30 to leave your seat and come and stand with me on this platform. A thousand young people, they couldn't fit on the platform, down the aisles, all around, filled platform and the pastors of Sweden and that part of Europe, Scandinavia, didn't even know those young people existed. I got them to come up as many on the platform in front of me, down the aisles. I said, I want everybody over 50 years of age, please, to stand. And I got everybody to stand. And I sent the younger people to go and hug the 50-year-olds and over and thank them for staying faithful to God. And the place broke open. For two hours, the Spirit of God fell then the older people started hugging the younger people and they were crying together and going, we didn't even know you existed. I went back a year later and some of those young people had planted churches and they're still serving God today. And a move of God happened. Why, why am I telling you that? Awesome. I'm telling you that. I'm trying to remember why I'm telling you that. <laughs> what was I saying? Yes, that's right. Because I wanted to go home. And God said to me, if you'd gone home tired and given up, you would have missed out. You would have missed out. I get to Singapore when this trip is over. I'm on the tarmac. You see, when you leave the airport, you can say tarmac, but when you get on the plane, you can't say hijack. Anyway. I've got to move quickly. And I'm on the tarmac and I said, God, why do people give up? Why do we give up halfway through our journey? And God said to me, because you don't go on the full journey of faith. And I said, Lord, what's the full journey of faith? I don't know what the full journey of faith is. And I pulled out a pad and I wrote this down and I'm gonna give it to you and then I'm gonna finish with my son's story and we're gonna finish tonight. I'd like to pray with some people in a couple of minutes. But the Lord said to me, you know, when you first come to Christ as a Christian, the gospel comforts you. That's stage one. Aren't you glad the gospel's good news? I'm glad it's good news. You know, when you first come to Christ and the gospel comforts you, you know what happens? You pray for car parks and you get them. <laughs> New Christians, man. God just answers their prayers. He said, then you go to stage two and the gospel connects you. You get connected to the church, God's bride. He said, but you know, what's really sad is a lot of Christians never step out of stage one and two. And every time they get discomforted or disconnected, they go and move on and never go to stage three. So I said, God, what is stage three? He said, stage three is the cause of Christ. 
It's great to be comforted by Jesus. It's wonderful to be connected in the church. But we must embrace the cause of Christ. And he said, and then you go to stage four and you make a commitment. You see, if we only embrace the comfort and if we only embrace the connection and we don't embrace the cause, friends, Jesus is the only way to God. If the church hurts you, you can't become a Buddhist. There are no options. I know I look like a Buddha, but I want to tell you. I can't say, well, that's it, Jesus. You didn't answer my prayer. I'm going to become a Hare Krishna. He's the only way to God. And if we don't embrace the cause of Christ, our connection and our comfort won't keep us in difficult times. But once we make a commitment, we go to stage five. Sorry to say it. It's called crisis. Do you know every Christian will be tested? We all go through crisis. Someone said to me one day, Pastor Danny is speaking in tongues, the initial evidence of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. I said, no, it's not. They said, you don't believe it is? I said, no, it's not. He said, well, what is it? I said, trouble. <laughs> you give your life to Christ and everything's all exciting and you're comforted, you're connected, you've embraced the cause, you've made a commitment and then crisis hits your life. I never thought this would visit my home. This is just good preaching. I didn't think I'd have to live it. But you see, when you go through stage five of crisis, number six, your convictions are developed. Because it's only when you go through difficult times that what you really believe comes to the surface. And your convictions are developed and only then through conviction you can live a life of consistency. Comfort will reveal the love of Christ. Connection will reveal the love of the church. But the cause of Christ will reveal the cross. And we need a revelation of the cross of Jesus. Commitment will bring you into God's community. Crisis will develop your character and your convictions will become your credentials. What's making me authentic in my city to the unchurched right now is not that we're in perfection but that we've allowed the world to see our brokenness. I never thought that I could finish my journey of faith when I get a phone call from a son who for two years has told us he's got cancer. And for two years, I would cry myself to sleep. I was in Malaysia one night preaching and I said, God, take me, don't take him. I don't want my son to die. I met with Russell Evans and I said, I don't want to do his funeral. I don't want my son to die. And I'm in a bed in Malaysia crying out to God, said, God, take me, but let him live. And that night something came into the room and grabbed me around the neck and was choking me. I've never experienced that before. I couldn't breathe. And I felt like a demonic presence trying to come against me. And I thought, this is a spiritual warfare issue we need to fight here. Still thinking my son was dying of cancer, only to find out two years later that he got so messed up in his head and a mental illness came into him, emotional brokenness, sexual brokenness, addictions he couldn't break. And then one day as I'm about to fly to New Zealand, I have to change my flight and go to Sydney. My wife says, you need to quickly come to Sydney. And I'm still thinking my son's about to die to only then be confronted with the fact that he hadn't told us the truth. I said, you don't have cancer? And he says, no. And I go, oh, thank you, Jesus. And then tells me, and I go, oh, I went for a moment of elation. My son's not gonna die. Then to find out 
that the seriousness of the situation, I'd wished he had died. I'm, I'm, I'm being honest. I thought at least if he died, he would have died with, with a great reputation. And now I'm going to have to deal with all this rubbish. I can't understand. And my life went from color to black and white. And I'm tested in my crisis. But I do know him as my comforter. I know him as the good news. I love the church as my connection. I've embraced the cross. I've made a commitment. And now I'm in a moment of crisis where I've got to practice what I've preached to everybody else. All of a sudden, my marriage came under attack. I'm blaming my wife for being too soft on the kids when they were little. She's blaming me for being too tough. And tension came into our home. And I had to pass the test of fidelity because the devil's saying, run, run, run. You've ruined your reputation. Nobody's going to care about you anymore. Just run away. And I had to stay, stand my ground, worship God, go to a mental hospital, where a lady in her 80s is swearing at the top of her voice with Tourette's, where my son is under police guard, under suicide watch, just staring at a wall, and go to church and give a salvation order call. Tell people Jesus is the answer. Please come forward tonight. God wants something for your life. And my life seems to go through a moment of being totally screwed up. But I stand before you and time has run out. And I stand before you. I want the musicians to come back straight away if you can. But I want to say this tonight, church. I've gone on my journey of faith. I'm sure I will continue to go on my journey of faith. But I thank God for the comfort of the gospel. I thank God for the connection, the cause, the commitment that's brought me into a community of people that love me. And through my crisis, my character has grown. In my convictions, my credentials have come forward of how I trust and believe in my God. And now I can walk in consistency and complete my journey of faith. In the beginning, God, great start. Dwell in His house forever, great finish. The Lord is my shepherd, great start. I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever, great finish. But a lot of stuff in the middle. I love reading books, the front page and the last page. I don't get time to read the whole book. Good start, good finish. But we've got to deal with the in-between. We have run out of time, so I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to sing Breathe On Us tonight. And I'm going to ask every person right now that's in crisis just to stand to your feet. I'm not going to be able to bring you forward. I'm sorry I've taken too long. But I want you to stand where you are as we start to sing Breathe On Us. And I believe because God has called us to love one another. Yes, if you can stand if you're in crisis today. Wow, thank you for your honesty. We're going to do something that maybe doesn't happen all the time in church. In just a moment when they start singing breathe on us. I want those of us that are sitting around those that are standing to come around and stand around those that are standing, put an arm around them and pray for the comfort of heaven to come and that this crisis will come to an end and we will finish our race and we will stay strong and we will stay strong in Jesus. Let me tell you, this is a lighthouse. I saw it in the worship. This is a lighthouse. Don't let your boat sink. Don't crash into the rocks tonight, but come to the house of God and receive strength tonight because God is for you. He wants to fill you tonight with His peace and He wants to give you strategy. Father, I pray in the next few days that people that are standing will start to see breakthrough and not break down and they will get the strategy of heaven to come. Can we sing Breathe On Us? Can we just sing it all together? And we're going to minister to people that are standing. Let's look around. Let's go to people that are standing and let's pray for God to come and help us on our journey 
of faith tonight. Oh, Father, thank you, thank you, thank you. So breathe on us. Yes, Jesus, come. Holy Spirit, come and breathe on us. Bring us life and lead us in your love. Holy Spirit, breathe on us. Move tonight in this place, Lord. Breathe on us. Holy Spirit, come and breathe on us. Bring us life and lead us in your love. Holy Spirit, breathe on us. Oh, Jesus, breathe on us. Holy Spirit, come and breathe on us. Bring us life and lead us in your love. Holy Spirit, breathe on us. Friends, you don't have to live with a broken suitcase. My son Michael has been healed over a seven year period of restoration. He's now writing songs. He just wrote a song, In the wake of my mistakes, I drown in oceans of your grace. He spoke to Pastor Glenn on the phone for half an hour the other day, talking about how Jesus has set his mind free, how he's totally free. My prayer is one day I'll have him standing next to me. Not yet, but one day and you will hear the story. Let me tell you, you don't have to finish broken. Broken, but open. Father, make this church a place that is open to the broken. Father, I pray that people can come in and find refuge. They can find comfort. They can find connection, but they can embrace the cross. I thank You for the clear teaching in this church while everybody's standing right across this room. If there's anyone in this room, you've never started the journey of faith. Jesus Christ has never become your Lord. You don't know Him. You used to maybe go to church. Maybe you were even a churchian, but you weren't sure about this God thing. And tonight you go, Pastor Danny, I've heard what you say. Can you pray that I can start my journey? You know, it's not the answer to every problem in your life being fixed. It's the answer of God being with you as you go through every problem in your life. And ultimately things will be fixed but that won't be fixed, quick fix, because He wants to grow you and grow your character. But I couldn't do life without God. I wouldn't have survived the situation of my son without God. He is real tonight. He is real. And while every head's bowed and every eye closed all over this room, if you say, Pastor Danny, pray for me tonight that I may discover the reality of Christ, whether you're away from God and you used to walk with Him or whether this is your first time to connect with Him, I want you to slip up your hand right across this room and I want to pray for you right across this room. Thank you so much up there in the balcony. God bless you. Just keep raising them right across the room. Is there someone else? Thank you. God bless you. Up there tonight, anybody else? I'm just going to hand back to Pastor because we've run out of time. But is there anybody else tonight right across this room? You say, I need to connect with God. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. God bless you. Somebody else? Yes, God bless you. Thank you very much. Anybody else, just come, lift up your hand right now so we can pray for you. 
Jesus Christ is real. I hate religion, but I love Christ and I love Christianity when it's done the Bible way. So tonight, Father, I pray for every hand that's been raised and I pray if they get an opportunity to meet with someone so we can give them a Bible tonight and help them out. But I pray that your Holy Spirit will come, invade every one of those lives with your love and your passion. And Lord, may they discover you to be real tonight and be the Lord of their life. In Jesus' Name, I pray, Amen and Amen. Love you, church. Love you, church. Can we all stand together, please? We're not, not quite through yet. Those of you who raised your hands because you want to give your life to Christ or you want to get right with God,